Welcome to the Top Flight Podcast as we continue our Road to Moscow series. Ori Benatar here alongside Mahith Gamaj. Uh, we'll start it off. Mahith, what do you think of the tournament so far in terms of entertainment? Um, It's been, not going to lie, it's been a pretty, pretty dull. There was, there's been a couple games here and there that were exciting. Of course, the Spain-Portugal game is the one that everyone's talking about on the second day. Um, Argentina-Croatia today was great. There's been a couple games here and there that have been awesome to watch, but for the most part, it's been 1-0 games, you know, own goals, penalties have, has been a huge talking point, and um, it's, it's been pretty dull, I'm not going to lie, but, you know, it is the World Cup, and it does only come around every four years, so it is something you have to enjoy, and, you know, it's not like people aren't watching the games, it, it is still enjoyable to watch, but uh, compared to previous World Cups, there just hasn't been as many um, great games so far. Yeah, I think the Brazil World Cup got off to a better start in terms of, you know, the amount of goals, the amount of entertainment, but we're 23 games in, we still haven't had a scoreless draw, and, you know, VAR has been a big talking point, you know, with how often they should use it for penalties, because I think I've learned something new about soccer with the, this whole VAR when it comes to penalties, and basically is, every single match, there should be at least one or two penalties, right? Yeah, and that's basically happened. There's been penalties in, in a lot of the games and um, it has been mostly through VAR. Right, so VAR, big talking point. Uh, but the tournament's had a lot of upsets as we're going to be just going through the, the week's games. Esteban and uh, Gabrielle went over the weekend games, but uh, we're going to go through the games from Monday through Thursday. But we're going to lead off with today's action that just occurred, the big match. Croatia just beat Argentina 3 nothing. Croatia is through to the round of 16 for the first time in 20 years. The only time they've been in the knockout stage was when they finished in third in France in 1998. And Argentina's in serious trouble. I mean, Mahith, how bad is this Argentina team? They were they were tough to watch today. Yeah, going into the tournament, a lot of people expected them to flop. Um, but I don't think people expected them to be this bad, especially with guys like Messi and Aguero up front. But to get destroyed by Croatia like this 3-0 was just really, really embarrassing. And we knew Argentina wasn't as good as, as they were in the past. And they were finalists four years ago, and not many people expected them to expected them to go that far this year but they got simply outplayed by Croatia today. Modric and Rakitic were just were just flying through that midfield. And Argentina, a lot of these players, man, people don't even know some of these guys. Got Enzo Perez playing with Boca, I believe, and guys um, like Meza and Tagliafico. I'm sure even the biggest football fans would have had to Google some of these names. So this Argentina team has really, really degressed over the past decade or so, and it's really sad to see them this way. It looks like they're going to be out in the round of 16. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what happens in the Iceland-Nigeria game tomorrow where Argentina stands because it's possible that if Nigeria and Iceland tie, Argentina might be in last going into their final group game against Nigeria. But there's just a lack of everything in this team. I mean, Romero being injured doesn't help. You've got Caballero in goal who's made a lot of mistakes with his feet. His passing out of the back has been poor and his mistake leading to the first goal scored by uh, Rebic. And also the midfield lacks. I mean, you got Mascherano who's like, you know, in his late 30s. I mean, but the lineup decisions by Jorge Sampaioli today were just confusing and bad. Why start a player like Maximiliano Metza playing for Independiente of Argentina? Why not play Paulo Dybala? He can play that position. He's, he plays for Juventus. He plays against these Croatian players year-round. Yeah, that's the, the thing about Argentina leading up to this tournament is that even in the qualifying games, their 11 would change every single time. And then when you look at a team like France... 
um, Germany, uh, Spain, and their lineups rarely change, or it's small tweaks here and there, but Argentina, it seems that every single game, it's a different formation, different players playing in different positions, and it simply hasn't worked. And, and the thing is, none of those lineups have ever worked. So, yeah, it's been confusing, and then leaving Icardi at home, leaving that ball on the bench, Higuain on the bench, um, even even guys like um, Lucas Bigley was on the bench today, um, uh, what's Nega didn't play today or in the previous match. And clearly, guys like that would be ahead Enzo Perez, who fit. I don't really understand any of these um, lineup decisions. It would it, It's difficult to even sort of analyze them. Yeah, the lineup decisions were strange. The, the play was bad. And I don't blame Messi for the loss because it's not like Messi could do anything when you know it's such a one-dimensional attack a defensive plan for argentina is simple just get five guys around messi nobody else can do anything just let him have the ball don't let him go forward and it's just cake cake win for croatia they're through easy and group d is just you know going crazy and argentina right now probably has been the most disappointing out of all the favorites thus far through the two games, but uh, we, let's take a look at some of the other groups thus far. Group C play continued today. France with a comfortable 1-0 win over Peru. Denmark had a one-all draw with Australia. Denmark very likely going to be going through with France. France is through already, but very good performance from this Australia team. They have actually surprised a lot of people. I'm impressed with them. Yeah, they've been very good on the defensive side of the ball, um, giving up two goals to France and the one was a VAR penalty, and the other one was uh, a really unlucky own goal. And then today, the Denmark goal was just a great strike from Christian Eriksen. But they only gave up the one goal to Denmark and the two to France. And I, also, I've really been impressed with Australia's defense. Their midfield play has been very, very good as well. Mila Jedinak and Aaron Moy will be familiar to Premier League fans. And they, they both been great in the tournament. Moy was probably out of the match against France. And Jedinak scored a penalty in both matches. Um, I think the the Socceroos have really impressed people, and they've given us a lot more than we expected from them. I agree. Socceroos have looked really good. Aaron Moy has been one of the best players in the tournament thus far. Arzani, the 19-year-old youngster uh, playing for Melbourne City, he's he had a great game against Denmark. Australia was really pushing for that second goal. Probably deserved the win based on how they played, but unable to get it. So right now, Group C is in the situation where Denmark, all they need to do is tie France, and they will advance. Australia have only one scenario that will work for them. They need to win. They need Denmark to lose, and they need a better goal difference. Australia's goal difference currently at minus one. Denmark's at plus one. Group C play will be concluding on Tuesday. But then we look at Group B, and the scenarios there are even trickier. Portugal and Spain, obviously, with four points ahead in the group, both getting 1-0 wins on Tuesday. Uh, or I should say on Wednesday, which was yesterday. Uh, Ronaldo scoring the header against Morocco, his fourth goal of the tournament. He leads the golden boot race. And then Spain getting the 1-0 win over Iran, who played really well against them. Diego Costa scoring his third goal. So between Portugal and Spain, which one, two games in, would you say has been better? Um, it's difficult to say because um, they both had sort of same similar results. But I'd say, I'd say it's it's pretty darn even. It's really hard to differentiate because they, they drew the opening game with each other. I'd say Spain did play marginally better in that game, but of course Portugal have the best player on the pitch win, in Ronaldo, and he dragged them to that draw. Um, I'd say Spain just are simply a better team than Portugal, so I will lean towards them. They did struggle to break down Iran, but I think anybody in this tournament would struggle to break down Iran. They're a great, great defensive side. Portugal got the early goal against Morocco. 
when Morocco are a really, really good team as well. And they were unlucky to score um, yesterday. So, yeah, I'd say Spain have a slight edge, but it's going to be really tight as to who finishes first in this group. Because as of right now, Spain and Portugal have the same goal difference and same amount of points. And they'll both be expected to win their final match. And besides having the same amount of points and the same goal difference, they've scored the same amount of goals. They've conceded the same amount of goals. And then the tiebreaker after that is how they played against each other. They tied each other. And then the next tiebreaker after that is fair play points. So basically, first place in Group B could come down to which team got less yellow cards. Right now, Spain has the advantage. Only one yellow for Spain, two for Portugal. And if they somehow are tied on fair play points, then it goes down to a random draw of lots, which would determine who would play Uruguay or Russia in the round of 16. So the fact that we could have a World Cup group decided by a draw of lots is just nuts. But that that scenario would only happen if Portugal and Spain both win and both win by the same scoreline. So which team probably has the better chance to maybe win more than one nil in their last game because Portugal's playing Morocco or uh, Portugal's playing Iran and you've got Spain against Morocco. Yeah, I'd say uh, even this is pretty tight, but I would say Spain. I, I say they have a bit more firepower moving forward. Portugal obviously have Ronaldo, but Spain, I think a bit better all rounded, but more suited to unlock a defense sort of. And I think Iran is going to be really, really hard for Portugal to break down. Um, yeah, I'd say Spain have a better chance of winning more than, you know, one nil or, or I think Portugal might actually even draw Iran because Iran, as we've seen, are, are just impenetrable almost on on defense. They they won their first match against Morocco through an own goal, and then the Spain game they conceded a very very unlucky goal. So I think it is Spain. I think it is Spain too, but Iran is obviously not out of it. If Iran does win, they will go through to the round of sixteen for the first time in their World Cup history. Group B play will be concluding next Monday. Let's move on to Group A. This group ended very simply. Russia and Uruguay are through. How surprised are you that Russia is playing this well? Beat Egypt 3-1, beat Saudi Arabia 5-0, plus seven goal difference for the host nation. They have been on fire in their first two games. Yeah, they've been incredible. And and they're the lowest-ranked team in this tournament, so it's even more shocking. And they've been so fun to watch. Kereshev... Um, has scored three goals. Golovin's been fantastic. Jaizuba has two goals. Smolov played in the first match, didn't play in the second match. But yeah, I think I think a lot of people underrated Russia going into this tournament because they do have the players up front that were capable of finishing in the top two in this group, and they've done it. And um, I know it was a bit unlucky for Jagoyev to go down injured in the first match, but I think it may just be a blessing in disguise, seeing as Cherchev has been fantastic ever since coming in that first game, and it allowed Golovin to move into a central position where he is absolutely thriving. I'm really happy with, with the way Russia have played, and I think this is really great for them as a host nation. I think it helps in general just to get a good atmosphere out of the World Cup when the host nation is playing really well. Russia avoiding becoming the second host nation to not advance out of the first round of the tournament. South Africa is still the only one to do that. But another talking point of this group, obviously Uruguay, 2-1-0 wins. They beat Egypt. They beat Saudi Arabia. Suarez scoring against Saudi Arabia. I thought Uruguay would win 4-0. Uh, how wrong was I? But Uruguay and Russia will play for first place. Russia likely, Russia would get first place with a draw. So all they need to do is tie, and they will, uh, they will get first in the group and play either Spain or Portugal, maybe Iran. Don't know what's going to happen with Group B. But something that's sort of interesting, Uruguay, the only South American team to have won a game at this tournament. 
They're the two South American wins. They've gotten both of them because Peru has lost twice. Argentina hasn't won. Brazil has played in tomorrow. Maybe they'll beat Costa Rica, and then Colombia lost their first game. And, um, you know, South American teams have just not done well this tournament. Meanwhile, Europe, one loss. Germany against Mexico. So is this a sign, this tournament, of just how dominant European football has become? Because also the last three World Cup winners have been European. It looks like we're on track for a fourth. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, Brazil, I, I do still think are are the best bet to sort of break that sort of spell. They are one of the favorites for the tournament, but I think also where the tournament's being played is is a big factor. We saw both Brazil and Argentina make the semifinals in 2014 when the tournament was in Brazil. Um, but yeah, now since it's in Russia, perhaps the conditions have something to do with it. I'm not sure, but. Yeah, it does seem that European teams are set up to be successful this tournament. I think the only team that can really stop that is Brazil. Yeah, now it seems like, I mean, everyone thought Argentina was another candidate, but that's completely out the door. Even if Argentina get out of the group stage, which they would likely in second place, then they would probably go up against France, which is actually the matchup I predicted. So I'm not so bad when it comes to the predictions. So you heard it here first. Uh, but let's uh, break down some of the other matches that we saw over the week. So Wednesday, we had the second matches in Group B and the Uruguay game. On Tuesday, we saw Group H play out for the first time. And it got off to a wild start with Japan and Senegal both winning their first games. Japan beating Colombia 2-1 and Senegal beating Poland 2-1. Group H we all thought was going to be the most entertaining group of the tournament. And I think it's lived up to the billing, Mahith. Oh, certainly. I think um, both of them are pretty shocking wins. Um, I did expect Senegal to win, actually, but Poland have Lewandowski. I'd say they have a bit more known players in European football. And a lot of people were expecting Colombia and Poland to win the first matches. Colombia were a bit unlucky with that handball, but Japan played a really good game. Osaka up front was fantastic all match. Senegal, as we know, are really, really underrated, and they have a, a like I'd say they have one of the most underrated teams in this whole tournament. And um, they really showed it on Tuesday. They were great throughout the whole ninety minutes. Agreed. Japan did play did play really well for the ninety minutes, but most of the time when a soccer match happens. If you have a ten, if you have a man advantage for 87 minutes, you're probably going to win. And Senegal played really well too. I thought the midfield was fantastic. I thought Niang had the best game out of anyone on the pitch. Mane kind of got stopped by the Polish defense, but in general, you know, Poland's midfield wasn't given the ball to Lewandowski. I was very surprised by both results because I thought Colombia and Poland were both going to run away with this group. But now we're in a scenario in Group H where Japan is playing Senegal for a spot in the round of 16 and Colombia and Poland are playing in a basically an elimination game. And we'll predict all the matches over the weekend later on uh, in the podcast. So that's Group H. Uh, group G, we saw Group G action get underway. We saw uh, a big win for England and we saw a big win for Belgium. Belgium winning 3-0 over Panama, Lukaku with a brace, and then Harry Kane's brace winning the game for Tunisia. So I guess let's talk a little bit about England, Mahith. Uh Pretty good first half. They were attacking really well, but the second half, it was the same old England. I felt, once again, we saw all their attack was being generated by their wingbacks, in this case, Kieran Trippier and Ashley Young. And, you know, Jesse Lingard didn't add much. Deli Ali is not creating in the midfield. Did you did you think England performed better than what maybe a lot of people were saying they performed like in the second half? Um, yeah, this, I'd say the second half was pretty poor from England, but then again, Tunisia is a great defensive side, as we see with a lot of these smaller teams in the tournament. I wouldn't be too worried about this, because we did see problems from England in the first half, and they were a bit unlucky to miss some of those chances. But I do think England um, 
have set themselves up well, and Gareth Southgate has done a good job. He's been really brave with his team selections. I would not be too worried about England, especially with Harry Kane there. He bailed them out, and I think it was more of a learning experience. This was the first game at a World Cup for most of the starting eleven for England, so yeah, I wouldn't be too worried. I think I think it's a big win for them, and I think they'll ease past Panama, and that game against Belgium will be really, really fun to watch. That was England's first World Cup win since beating Slovenia in 2010, 1-0. Jermaine Defoe scored that goal. That's how far it was. Jermaine Defoe was a leading striker for England. Now Harry Kane, who no one had even heard of in 2010, uh, scoring two goals for England. But let's move over to Belgium, who I think a lot of people are saying are the favorites of this group. I think they are. I have them winning the group. I still think that their second half against Panama was the best second half or best half of football we've seen from any team in this tournament. But would you say it was overinflated because of the opposition? Because Panama sort of turned into their old selves in the second half. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed with Panama. We've seen a lot of these smaller teams, as I said, play really, really great defensive football. And I expected Panama to be one of those, but they really just fell apart against a great Belgium side. But Belgium will, will look at that win and be really, really happy with it. And Lukaku is somebody that I tip to be sort of a dark horse for the golden boot. And I'm really glad he got off the mark because he's a really underrated striker in my eyes. And Panama were, as I said, pretty poor. And I, I really do think that they'll get, they're going to have to fix a lot of stuff before they play England. And I think they might be able to do it. Of course, we saw Saudi Arabia get destroyed in the opening match and then play very well against each or against Uruguay. Sorry. So I think Panama could look towards that and, and really tighten themselves up for that England game. Yeah, Panama going to be playing England uh, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday morning. I, For me, I feel that Belgium's attack force, when they are on and playing together, they're the best in the world. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, Lukaku, and Hazard. Dries Mertens played very well against Panama. Those guys are on and playing well together. They are unstoppable. It doesn't matter who's playing, which defense is playing against them. And Belgium could be in a really good position to make it to the quarterfinals based on these performances. But I think... This is really the first time that we've seen this Belgium team have their starters play with good chemistry because in the last two tournaments, Belgium was depending on their subs to score goals. Their starters did not have the same chemistry that we're used to seeing. I mean, Lukaku, De Bruyne, and Hazard against Panama look like they've been playing together their whole lives, and I think that's something that Belgian fans and just neutral soccer fans like me who enjoy watching these stars play were looking to see. Do you you think you agree with that? You saw the chemistry a little bit more? Yeah, certainly. Um, De Bruyne picked out Lukaku um, really well on that uh, on that first goal for on Lukaku's first goal, and I think yeah, I think it was great. But of course, as I said, Panama were weak, and we have to see this team against better opposition to sort of have a final verdict. Um, because of course, in, in games like this, quality can shine over. You know, Belgium obviously do have better players than, than Panama, and sometimes that can drag you out of a, of a hole. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% convinced by this Belgium team just yet because I'm not a big fan of De Bruyne playing in that two-man pivot in midfield. I think that could be really taken advantage of by your team. But we'll wait and see. I think that England game is really going to show us, um, is really going to reflect, you know, what both sides are like, England and Belgium, if they're the real deal or not. I think that game is going to decide it for us. I agree. But I I think it also it could not decide it because – 
we're likely to see Belgium play England with both teams having six points and both teams already getting into the uh, round of 16. So it's possible that they take a back seat in that game. I predicted that game to be nil-nil because I thought, you know, they're both going to win their first two games against Panama and Tunisia. They're both going to be in the knockout round. They're going to rest some of their starters and they'll just play a simple game against, you know, the opposition just maybe for a tie. So either or we'll see. I mean, I think it's either going to be a a snooze or it's going to be a great game between Belgium and England. Uh, But the Belgium game got me thinking about goals of the tournament. We saw a phenomenal strike from Modric today. Dries Mertens scored a great goal against Panama. Give me your goal of the tournament right now. I still think it's Nacho against Portugal for for Spain. I really love that. Um, It was like a curling... it's, it's, It's one of those that you rarely see. You know, it was a half volley sort of inside of the foot, but he didn't... He didn't pull back. It wasn't a ferocious shot. It sort of just curved into that far corner, um, or it hit off the far post and then went um, in off the other side. But uh, yeah, I still I still say that Cherishev's goal, Modric's goal, uh, Mertens's goal, all good candidates. But uh, for me, it's still Nacho's. I agree. I, I think Nacho's goal has been the best in the tournament. Just the technique of it and the unlikelihood of it. I mean, Nacho wasn't even going to be a starter. He played for an injured Danny Carvajal in the game. He had given away the penalty early on to Ronaldo that let Portugal take the lead, and then he just scores this, you know, incredible goal. And I I think that Spain has been tremendous responding to the firing of uh, Julian Lopetegui with Fernando Hierro as the manager. I think Spain has looked pretty good. I think they looked worse against Iran, but against Portugal, they were flying. They looked really, really good. And it's good to see a Spain team respond when they're down because in 2014 and 2016, once Spain was down, you knew they were done. There was no way they were going to win. And David De Gea also getting a clean sheet against Iran, helping a lot. But we go from best goal of the tournament. I want to hear what you think the biggest goal of the tournament has been in terms of, you know, what it what it did for their team to help them push themselves forward closer to the title. I think the obvious one has got to be Ronaldo's free kick. Yeah, I'd say that that is a big one. That sort of set the world alight and sort of got this tournament going. So I'd say thus far it actually is that Ronaldo free kick. But um, as for certain teams, I think there's a couple in there that um, that could potentially be huge goals, but we haven't seen the full extent of it even today with uh, Croatia's goals against Argentina, those could be huge for them moving forward. They destroyed Argentina, and those goals could really give them confidence in moving forward, especially um, Modric's. So I think it's hard to say right now, but thus far it has been Ronaldo's. But maybe at the end of the tournament, look back at different and say, uh, been a good tournament thus far. No scoreless ties. Uh, there's been a lot of one nothings. I think overall there's been a lot of good drama in this World Cup. Uh, there's been some funny stories. There's been some interesting stuff happening, but. There's still plenty more to go, and uh, this podcast, not just talking about the games from this past week, we're also going to predict the games for the upcoming weekend, so uh, let's do that. We'll start off with tomorrow's action, uh, the, the second round of Group D games concluding with Iceland and Nigeria. I see this as a match that could go either way. I mean, depending on what Nigeria we see, we could see them improve. I mean, we haven't seen a team really performed the same way they did in their first game as maybe they did in their second game we haven't seen very many consistent performances from teams maybe peru had a lot of chances against denmark had a lot of chances against france came away short one nothing but iceland nigeria what do you see in that game i see a draw yeah i think iceland are going to play very good defensive football and nigeria um will have most of the ball but i can see a draw but i could also see iceland making it maybe one nil but i'm gonna go most likely nil nil our first nil nil of the tournament 
I, I think there'll be goals. I initially predicted a 2-2 uh, before the tournament started. Uh, I think I'll stick with that. If I had to change it, I would say 1-1. I still think we'll get goals in that game. Um, the first scoreless draw maybe we'll get um, like Saturday or Sunday. Don't know. I'm hoping there aren't any scoreless draws because that will prove to all the soccer haters, hey, this sport does have goals. 64 games, no scoreless draws. That's what we were rooting for. But I say Iceland and Nigeria draw, which is the best thing that could happen to Argentina. The worst thing that could happen to Argentina is if one of those teams wins because then Argentina would be in last place going into their a millionth game in the World Cup against Nigeria. Moving on to the Group E games tomorrow, Brazil and Costa Rica. Do you think Brazil bounce back with a win? I do, yeah. I think I think it won't be um, super overwhelming, but I think they'll they'll have enough quality to get past Costa Rica. I, I'd say probably two 0 is is likely scoreline. I agree. I think Brazil will probably win that game. My initial prediction is three one. Uh, I think I would change it maybe to a clean sheet for Brazil, a simple one or two nil victory. Got to get Neymar more involved. Uh, but do you expect maybe any lineup changes? Maybe Roberto Firmino starting in place of Gabriel Jesus. Uh, nope, I think Brazil will stick with the, the same lineup. I think this is their strongest 11, and um, Tite has really loved this moving forward, and I think it'll be the same. All right, so uh, two of us picking Brazil wins, and then the other Group E match, the last game of tomorrow, Serbia and Switzerland. I'm expecting a very physical, very aggressive game here. A Serbia win sends them to the round of 16. Serbia-Switzerland, what do you got? Um, I have a Switzerland win, actually. I think um, both teams are very physical, and both teams are big and strong. But um, Switzerland have a much better backline and a much better goalkeeper than Serbia, and I think that'll make the difference. Even if Serbia have a, have a slightly stronger midfield, both teams are lacking up front a bit, so I think Switzerland will nick it just 1-0. I totally agree with you. I said 1-0. I'm going to stick with 1-0. I think Switzerland performed re- pretty well against Brazil. Uh, the set-piece goals are big. But it's going to be defensively. It's going to be a very interesting game for both teams because you've got a smaller, a smaller player like Shakiri going up against the likes of Kolarov and Ivanovic, these big, giant dudes, and also Matic in the midfield. The key is going to be who plays better. I think between Matic and Chaka, whichever one plays better, their team will likely win. But I also think that game has huge zero-zero potential. Also, but. We've thought a lot of games have had 0-0 potential, but we've had none. As we move on to the matches for Saturday, Group F play resuming on Saturday. We finally get to see Germany again taking on Sweden. Germany losing their opener against Mexico, trying to avoid becoming the third consecutive defending champion to not make it out of the group stage. Can Sweden beat Germany and knock the champions out? Um, I I think Germany will bounce back with the win. Yeah, I don't think it'll be convincing again, but um, I think it'll be about 1-0 or 2-0. I think Germany are just a bit too strong for Sweden, and uh, Sweden don't have enough going forward, not nearly as much as Mexico do, so I think Germany will win. Yeah, Sweden coming off their win over South Korea, won nothing off of an Andres Gronkvist penalty. South Korea's goalkeeper Cho played really well in that game. Uh, my initial prediction was a nil-nil draw, but based on Germany losing, I think that they had the second game syndrome usually comes for Germany in major tournaments, but that happened in the first game this year, so I think this time Germany will bounce back with a big win against Sweden. I think they're going to go in just, you know, peeved. They're going to go in, we need to win this game. They know they're going to need to win this game. But I also think Yogi Love needs to make some lineup changes. Thomas Muller cannot be playing on the right or playing in the center of midfield. He needs to be playing in a false nine. That's how he scored 10 World Cup goals in his career already through two World Cups, now playing in his third. And also maybe starting Marco Royce ahead of Julian Draxler. But in that Mexico game, the one thing I kept saying at the end why didn't they take Leroy Sané? He would have been perfect in that uh, situation. I think not taking him might bite them back in the butt. I think so as well. Yeah, I think that's a huge, huge mistake from Germany. Um, players like Sané make 
all the difference in, in tournaments like these where there's tight games and, and every game means so much. And to have a have a pacey guy who can score like that game behind the defense, you know, be an outlet, be a 1v1 player is crucial, and I don't think Julian Brandt or Julian Draxler are anywhere near that, and I think leaving Sané home is a huge mistake from Germany thus far. Thus far, we'll see what Germany comes up with in Sochi against Sweden. The other Group F game is Mexico and South Korea. Mexico could see themselves into the round of 16 with that win. I think Mexico's going to win. Mexico looked really good against Germany. They had a plan, but a lot of the times when we see Mexico play at major tournaments, they they play to the level of their opponents when they're better, and they play down to inferior opponents. So does Mexico win comfortably, or does South Korea maybe have a good game? Um, I think this game will be really tight, actually. Uh, Korea is no pushover side, and um, they play decently well against Sweden, and uh, we're just going to look at that penalty from Andreas Grafkis, but I think Mexico will just ease by. I think they, they just have a bit bit more quality than Korea do, but uh, I think it'll be close, probably 1-0 Mexico, maybe 2-0 or 2-1. Yeah, I think I think it'll be a close game. Uh, Song Young Min has to be more involved. He pretty much didn't do anything in the game against Sweden, and then for Mexico, it's just going to be, uh, will they have a plan? I mean, they had a plan against Germany. They counterattacked when Germany were committing ten men forward basically the entire game, and they ran the counterattack to perfection. They had uh, Chucky Lozano and Xavier Chicharito Hernandez running it along with you know the likes of Herrera and Layun. Uh, Dos Santos was doing pretty well too for Mexico. So I think Mexico will win. I think we'll see them in the round of sixteen, but. It's not going to be a successful World Cup for Mexico if they don't win in the round of 16, trying to avoid a seventh straight round of 16 loss. The other game that's going to be happening on Saturday will be Belgium and Tunisia. That's actually the first game of Saturday in Group G. Mahith, does Belgium win by a bigger margin against Tunisia than they did against Panama? So I do think Belgium will will win against Tunisia, but it might be tight as again as we saw with England. England struggled against Tunisia, and I think Belgium might. But I think Belgium will have too much quality again for Tunisia to really get a result. I agree. I think Tunisia's uh, parked the bus against England worked pretty well. They only conceded goals based off of crosses and corners, basically. So I have Belgium winning that game 2-0. But uh, if Belgium get going and are able to open up the game for Tunisia, then it's going to be an ugly game because who knows? Tunisia might have to play with... They are going to play with the mentality that we need a point to, to survive. If we lose, we're done because we know that England will probably beat Panama. So if Tunisia opens up, then this game could be 5 or 6 nothing if Belgium plays the way they did like they did in the second half against Panama. And then on Sunday, before we get to the final group matches, we've got uh, England playing Panama in the morning. Is this a simple win for England, or are we gonna? is it always going to be dramatic with England? I think it always will be dramatic with England, but I think this is probably going to be their easiest match of the group stage. And I... I... I hate saying that England will win comfortably because they they rarely ever do. But I think I think um, they kind of have to. I think they're going to go maybe two nil, maybe three nil. I don't think they have as much firepower as Belgium do, but uh, we'll see how ba- Panama bounce back. I still think they concede one goal. I predicted the exact scoreline for this game two one. I still think England will concede against Panama, but I think they'll be up maybe three or four nothing by that time. But there's always going to be something with England. I mean, even if they're down one nothing against Panama and they come back to win four one. England should be winning this game. If they don't win this game, it would be a bigger upset than them losing to Iceland or not beating Algeria in 2010. You know, all those, you know, tough results that England have faced over the last eight years. Tying or losing to Panama would be just the culmination of that. But even if they lost to Panama, they should still be maybe getting out of the group. Um, So that game will be happening early Sunday morning. 
And then on Sunday, Group H play will be continuing. We've got Senegal versus Japan, who actually won their first two games in the group. Mahith, who's advancing in the winner-take-all match? I think it'll be Senegal. I think they have too much quality for Japan. Japan only won their first game because of that red card for Carlos Sanchez of Colombia. I think Senegal do have too much for, for this game, and um, I think they'll, they'll win, um, perhaps not comfortably, but I think they'll win in the end. Yeah, I would say the way Senegal played would push me to win, push me to them uh, winning. I would pick them to win. But I think this game also has tie potentially. I think that for Senegal to really get over the edge and be a real round of 16 contender and get themselves maybe to a quarterfinal berth, they need Sadio Mane to be involved. And Sadio Mane was not involved against Poland. This could be a big chance for him to have a goal or have a couple of assists against Japan. So if I had to pick a team to win, I would pick Senegal. But I think um, overall, I would say that this game could probably be a draw. But yeah, I think Senegal will win. And then Poland and Colombia, losers out. Is anyone going out in this game or is it a tie? I think uh, this game will signal game over for Poland. I think Colombia will have too much quality for them. Um, they really struggled to get Lewandowski the ball. Lewandowski was basically invisible against Senegal, and I think um, that is a real problem for Poland that I'm not going to be that I'm not sure they're going to be able to fix in this amount of time. It is a short tournament; they're going to play really quickly. But I do think Colombia have a bit too much, and um, they're really unlucky that the first game they had to play with ten men uh, because Colombia are the favorites for this group. Perhaps not anymore, but I think they have too much quality for Poland. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Colombia looked really good despite having a, a man disadvantage for basically the entire time against, excuse me, basically against the entire time against Japan. They attacked well. I was really confused why Jose Peckerman took out Juan Cuadrado in the in the thirtieth minute. That didn't make any sense to me. But uh, no, Chris, no, uh, Christian Sanchez for the game. I think Colombia will probably be the favorite. But I'll say a tie. I think it could be a high scoring tie. This is a game that Robert Lewandowski can thrive in. But it'll be a very interesting matchup indeed. I think that could be one of the games of the tournament, Poland and Colombia. But we've said that about a lot of games. Could be the game of the tournament. And really, thus far in the group stage, we've really only gotten one game that has been worthy of that claim, which has been the Portugal and Spain tie. But other than that game, any other games that pop into your mind that are like, you know, I'll remember these games for the rest of my life. Maybe the Croatia win today over Argentina? Uh, no, I think it's only that Portugal-Spain game thus far, but we haven't seen too many heavyweight clashes, especially with teams like Netherlands, Italy, Chile missing out on the World Cup. But uh, I think eventually later in the tournament, when we get to the knockout stages, there will be great games that we were missing in this group stage thus far. Hey, don't forget the Giants of the U.S. They're not here either. They make uh, they make statements, man. Yeah, I, I, sorry. Yes, of course, them too. No, I'm just kidding, of course. We're not even close to being a giant. In the top flight chat today, I guess I'll mention this before we uh, call the day, I suggested the idea that there would be a, a Ryder Cup of soccer, have the U.S. against a European team and a world team. If a Euro if all European team plays the U.S., Mahith, what's the score? Uh, uh, I don't want to say it. Oh, just say it, man. Like 10 nothing. Uh, probably. No, maybe like 7 it would be a disaster, wouldn't it? Yes, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 Ryder Cup soccer, don't do it. Just stick it with golf. It's much more competitive, and it would be better. Uh, Mahith, thanks for joining me. Enjoy the rest of the tournament, man. Yeah, I will, for sure. You, you're, you as well, yeah. Yeah, so Mahith Gamaj there. I'm Ori Benatar. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Top Flight Podcast. Esteban will be back on Sunday to recap the weekend's games and preview the final group stage matches as we continue our road to Moscow here on the Top Flight Podcast.